Seers podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. On this episode, I had on the talented astromage Zach Powell to discuss planetary magic, the intentional communion with the planets and the deities related to them. So for example, Aphrodite and Adonis for communication with Venus or Aries and Hephaestus for working with Mars or Bacchus and Jove for working with Jupiter. This episode lit up in me the sacred remembrance that we are working with sentient beings, these planets, that whenever we contact deities, you know, even when I'm like in an archetypal psychology class in grad school, um, I said that like present tense, it was past tense, but whenever we talked about a particular god or goddess, we each really had a deep experience and my worldview, my belief is that we are actually communing with the deities, um, that it's not just something that we imagine or something that happens in our psyches, um, that we are in a ensouled universe and that there are many beings with souls, that there are deities, that there are nature spirits, that there are plant spirits. And when we are in a practice of engaging with deities, there's just a, a type of expansion and magic and wonder that can come with that. This episode also got me excited to work more with altars, which I don't actually do a lot of. I often work with the planets through writing and forecasting, through image, my inner eye, psyche, visualization, prayer, things that I do, you know, actions I take, um, but not as much, you know, creating like a physical temple space. And I can definitely feel the shift in the air when a physical ritual space is created either by me or someone else. And I'd like to practice that more in my life. I definitely feel inspired by Zach and this conversation to be creative in this new way. And it is just in time for me moving into a new place of my own next week that I'm renting. <laughs> I did have like a, a vision of buying, but the market is difficult, but I'm excited to be creating my own space very soon. And it feels like it would be such a gift to myself to magic up my physical space. So I look forward to this episode inspiring you to do the same, you know, to create a portal of communication through this type of magic and to form more personal connections with the planets also. Some updates, happy full moon. The moon is full as I record this intro. And I had this conversation with Zach just last week. Um, I didn't upload the latest forecast to Magic of the Spheres, but you can find this week's one on YouTube. The channel is Sabrina Monarch or in written version at monarchastrology.com. So it'll be called Full Moon in Aquarius and you can read more or hear more about this lunation that way if you haven't already. A few days ago, the 40-day Kickstarter campaign that I was running to fund a year ahead of Forecast and Magic of the Spheres podcast completed. 
we ended with 157 backers and $31,905. Thank you so much for giving this work wings and for supporting the labor of love that goes behind these publications. I'm feeling really loved and supported by everyone who came through and all the encouragement and celebration from the community. Thank you so much for showing up and I look forward to sharing another year of transmissions with you. A little bit about Zach before we get into this episode. Zachary is a black queer astrologer currently based in Philadelphia who graduated in 2013 with a degree in political science and sociology focused on the intersection of race, politics, inequality, and constitutional law. Along with his client work, he is the board secretary of the Association for Young Astrologers, a student of Kelly Surtees, Austin Kopic, and Chris Brennan, a professional Venus stan, and a practicing astro mage. Prior to making the glorious leap to become a professional astrologer, he worked in the fashion industry for a number of years, served as a policy analyst for a civil rights nonprofit working to make structural changes to increase access to clean, safe, and affordable housing, and managed the Manhattan office of a top marketing consulting firm. In March 2021, he launched his weekly Planetary Reflections on Patreon, where he writes about the planet associated with the day or night, alternating each week, its current transits, the reflections and ponderings garnered from his planetary devotional practice, whimsical musings on how to elect for wildly mundane things like food delivery, how he approaches ritual, and truly whatever else that comes to mind. You can find the link for Zach's socials, Patreon, readings, all of that in the notes. And I will leave you to our beautiful conversation now. Hi, Zach. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you about magic. And um, we got to talk the other day about this episode and all of this magic has been flowing through my life since, um, related to it. Yeah. And I just really feel the potency and the enchantment and the expansion of what you're doing. Um, so Mm. I'm really excited to get to talk about it with you. And, um, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I feel, um, I would love to, yeah, I'm so excited to talk about all of this. Um, it was really a lovely conversation that we had and I can't wait to have this one now. So how did you start to get into magic in general and how did that combine with astrology? Yeah. Um, well, uh, I've always, I, like when I was much younger, uh, I was a very open kid, I would say spiritually and uh, magically, um, and kind of didn't really know what was happening. Um, and it was, uh, a very like, um, it was an experience that I kind of didn't really understand, uh, yeah, like how to control that, to, to understand it, to, to work through it. Um, and I didn't really have the tools or, um, the right support at that time, just because, you know, most people don't know how to engage in that kind of stuff, uh, and know what, what the next steps are. But, um, I kind of, you know, for a while, um, after kind of going through my teenage years, kind of like needed to shut down kind of all of my connections that I had, um, as a child. Um, and then as I got older, there was kind of like a slow opening back up. Um, and 
um, you know, I started studying astrology uh, about five or six years ago and have kind of like really been intensely in, in, in enmeshed and ingrained into that. And um, it was, a, it was a, a process of like self-finding, self-understanding and, um, and trying to find who I am meant to be and who I desire to be. Because I, you know, I, the reason I love astrology was because um, it was this moment, uh, uh, the moment of our birth uh, and the planets were in these in these positions at the moment of our birth, and they reflected who, our our life trajectory, who we are, and how um, and and I know where we desire to perhaps go, and how we want to take that path. And I felt that prior to um, finding astrology, that I had been kind of choosing and giving other people power to um, to define where I should be going, my my trajectory, my path, my life. Um, and so I, I found astrology at a moment when I really needed to um, charge forward into my own self. Um, and that was really, really rewarding and lovely. Um, and then it was honestly um, a, a few years ago where I kind of like allowed like magic and um, planetary devotion to come into my life. Um, and it was just really kind of this very spontaneous Venus was in, uh, was exalted, um, and which is where, you know, I have, uh, Venus natally. And, um, and it was just this moment that I knew I had to do, start doing a Venus practice. Um, and I just started doing it kind of like threw some things together, didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and at this time I mentioned this before, but, you know, uh, to, to you, but like, um, on the, at that time that Venus was in the sky, right? I put, uh, I had this altar um, that I made and I didn't really know where to put it, but I was like, I'm going to just put it in this windowsill. Um, and uh, at that time, and I didn't really understand the like power of this exact moment because, uh, because I just didn't really understand. I was kind of just trying to throw it together, but um, you know, I would do the ritual and at like eight or 9 PM, Venus would rise in the sky in the windowsill, like right above and like shine down right on that altar. Um, and that hasn't happened since. Um, it was just this very rare moment of like initiating a relationship with her and engaging and, and being able to like visualize, actually literally pray to her and see her in the sky as she rose in the sky at night. Um, and so um, that's kind of like where the initiation of that started, which was um, such a powerful experience. And then from there, just like the floodgates opened up. There was just like, no stopping it once it began. Um, and, uh, yeah, there were like many other steps, uh, that came after that, but they just, that was the initiator of starting a relationship with Venus as she rose in the sky at night, um, and seeing her and like engaging with her. What a gorgeous initiation and just having that direct starlight from Venus begin and grace your practice the yeah. way that, you know, you've shared with me planetary magic uh, really reminded me of the way that the universe is animated or the universe is ensouled, that we can have a dialogue, that we can have a relationship and that the universe or these and various deities and planets will speak back to us. Yeah. Um, and it's just really magical and fun and like uh, an adventure. Right. And so I'm curious. Um, as you've been, you know, going on with this, maybe what are some of your um, experiences hearing the universe talk back to you through the planets that you'd want to share? Oh, yeah. Um, 
my goodness, where to start? Um, you know, it's really, it's, it's really beautiful. Uh, planetary, yeah, de- devotion and planetary relationship um, uh, can be uh, like the, the the experiences one has can be just so from from experiences that are simply super like that are that feel so divine and so incredible in the way that it's like feels big and it seems and it's visually big um but it's also um interesting like so it can be so mundane and straightforward um and just like small moments of like joy or small moments of just um experiencing small things but um so for example um one thing was I, I i think it was venus day and um i like it wasn't venus hour when i normally do my ritual with venus but um it was like just before or a little bit before um and i was like going to a coffee shop and i was going to get my coffee just like really just rushing out and going to get coffee um and like a few days before i believe i was just like reading significations of venus and one of them was like specifically white roses um and i hadn't like i you know obviously knew that flowers and roses specifically and also the color white is related um associated with venus but i never read before that it was like specifically she rules white roses um it makes so much sense to me now of course but it was just like i hadn't read it before so i was like oh okay wow um that that makes sense it's interesting and then so yeah a few days later i'm like walking to go grab um coffee and um and like I can, as I'm like walking by the flower shop, I'm like it's across the street, and I'm walking by it, and I hear Venus say, um, "Hey, go go to the flower shop today." I was like, "Okay, well, you know, I I don't have a ton of money." She's like, "It's because normally when I okay, so there's this <laughs> this flower shop is like very special to me and to her. Um, it's an exceptionally Venusian flower shop. It's so beautiful. I've like gone there to create like." beautiful bouquets, uh, before, um, and spent too much money or like just enough, I guess, um, money for Venus, um, to just kind of like shine. Um, and, um, you know, like even the store is closed on Tuesdays on Mars day. It's just very like the store is like wildly Venusian. And so she loves this place. And I remember I was like, yeah, I was at this time at this time. I was like, you know, I don't have a ton of funds now. I can't really create this whole thing. And she's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Just go to the store. I was like, okay, I'm like, I grab my coffee and then I like walk back and I'm like, okay, okay, let's just, let's just trust this. I'm like very, I'm a very intellectual person and sometimes I have to get out of my head, especially with these practices. And so, um, I, um, I walked to the store and the moment I open up the door, I just begin to laugh and I like the huge grin on my face because when I walk in, there's this huge display that just like overwhelms the eye of all white flowers. Um, Sorry, I just got like a rush. Um, and then like right in the center were these beautiful white roses. Um, and it just was like, <laughs> okay, um, hi Venus. And then I just got, you know, like one white, white rose and I put it on my, my altar um, that day. And it was just like this beautiful expression of just Venus saying hi. Or Venus saying like, you know, you learned this thing or you saw me in a book that I represent this. And so let me show myself to you. Um, that's a huge part for me about... Um, like in, in my practice is asking the planets and the gods to show themselves to me. So I might learn more about them and then also learn more about myself and about like how, um, they're, they are, and we are interacting with each other. Um, and, uh, so that's one example of of a story that happened. Um, let me see other ones. Um, I mean, of course it's Venus day where like right now while we're recording. So of course, like, and it's Venus hour where I am. So of course, like all I can think of at this moment is Venus examples. 
But one, yeah, I guess I'll just, I guess I'll say another Venus example. We'll just do it. We'll just follow the vibes. Um, so yes, one time, uh, it was a kind of a few months after I started my practice with Venus and, um, I, it was like in the, yeah, it was, I can visualize it cause it was in the altar was in the old, like former location that it was in the windowsill when she was rising the sky, um, right above, uh, right above the altar. And, um, Oh, it was Juneteenth. Yes. It was Juneteenth. And I, um, and it was just kind of, I was in my apartment and one of the key, th- one of the things that I had been doing in my Venus practice at that time specifically, um, to like loosen up and to really get into Venus because I felt I was, um, you know, we all at this time, you know, in, in, in this, um, excuse me in this, like because of the pandemic, because of, um, the, the quarantine and the restrictions, all of us, I feel have been doing like, um, unintentionally or like, you know, have been in like forced Saturn practice, right. We've all been experiencing Saturn in such a like deep and, uh, in a deep way where we're like very isolated from other people and we're kind of alone a lot more of the time. And so, um, I've been trying, I like, I've just noticed, I had noticed, especially then that I was kind of like, like sinking into a Saturn period. And so like my Venusian work, I needed, I really did need Venus in that, in that moment, especially to like open up. And so there was, um, there was this, uh, yeah. So I started basically dancing, um, just by myself in my apartment to my favorite bops, like with Venus during my, um, during my practice. And so, um, I remember just like having had a glass of wine and just, um, dancing with her and, uh, like having prayed to her, giving her offerings. And I was just dancing and dancing and dancing. And then there's this one moment, um, where we're right. Cause it was Juneteenth as well. Um, I could feel my like ancestors as well, just like swirling around me with joy because, you know, Juneteenth being about this wild celebration of freedom, um, experiencing her in a way we're experiencing her experiencing my ancestors. There was just like this well of wild joy of like, just wanting to yelp, just wanting to like, like laugh, just wanting to be like, just wanting to jump up and down wanting to, um, you know, move through the room with like, like, uh, with wild abandon. Um, and there was just this like excitement in me. And there was this one period, this one moment I remember so distinctly and so vividly, there was this like moment of absolute bliss. I'm such like a mental person that I'm constantly in my head and I'm constantly thinking about something or constantly analyzing. And in this one moment, I was just experiencing bliss and joy and happiness and all of it. Um, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional, but it was just this moment of realization where I paused and I was like, there's, I'm thinking of nothing else. I'm just in this moment, I'm in my body and there's just so much joy in it and in me. And I like, I paused, like I like in my head, I remember actively saying, this is joy. This is Venus. And like, it was just this, (laughs) sorry, I'm really getting emotional. It really, there's something about Venus, um, that like, I think my ancestors have also been talking to me about where it's, that Venus and her joy and her, um, and the things that she can bring to our life are, are a representation, uh, for me of freedom of like the, the, for folks who are marginalized, um, it is, it is so hard to experience. It is, it can be hard to experience joy, um, in, in while, while being oppressed and, um, and yet, um, what happens so often is that, 
um, you know, my family um, is black and it's just so wild to be in a, in a community of people, um, friends and family who um, even in moments of oppression find moments for joy. Um, and in that moment, this is obviously like Juneteenth is all about, um, is about like, you know, it's kind of like a sad thing, right? Um, being like take, it taking two years to be free fully um, and to, for that news to reach Texas. And, um, and yet it's, it's seen as this moment of, of wild joy and jubilation. Um, and so, um, yeah, in this moment of experiencing just powerful joy, um, there was a, re re a representation, a, rec a recognition in that moment for me that Venus is like the key to freedom because it is a revolutionary act to experience joy under oppression. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think those like those are two that are like coming very, very strongly, largely because it's Venus Day and Venus Hour um, that like were such powerful moments for me, um, both big and small. And like it really that that moment of, of that connection of um, uh, of Juneteenth and Venus together and like really can reconceptualize me. Uh, re reconceptualize Venus for me of that idea of joy being a, such a revolutionary and like uh, act of freedom um, in a, in a, in difficult times and in difficult moments. Mm. My heart has been swelling as you're talking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so poetic and magical and um, just reminds me of the feeling state that I feel when I read authors who I feel like were mm. in the flow of just this super divine experience and retell that um, and transmit it in that retelling. And yeah. I really love about you, like your Aquarian, like reach of your consciousness mm -hmm. and the um, intellect that you bring to this and the intuitive openness to like playing and like being with reality in that numinous, like Venus and Pisces way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was really gorgeous. And it's making me forget what I was going to ask you. <laughs> it swept me away. Um, oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> oh, I think it was like, how would you, you know, for someone who's newer to astrological magic or newer to a devotional practice, where does one start? Um, I think start, you start, and I think Maya kind of talks about this too. It's like, you start by doing it. Um, and I think, one key thing with it too, is that, I, you know, I think what's scary about starting and I, and it's totally understandable is I think there's, there are many, or there are some in, in our, in the community of like doing magic and doing, um, devotion and all and like planetary interaction, um, and devotion and relationship, um, who kind of overly mystify the practice, um, and make it seem like it's really hard to do. Um, there's a lot there, like some, many people bring in a lot of rules, um, and make it on a seem unapproachable. And I think that, of course, rules are necessary. I think ritual is necessary because we, it is our way of both. I think it's a it's part of the offering to the gods that you're giving your time, you're giving your focus. And it's also something for you to send to yourself like I am, you know, right now, like for me, for example, like Venus and I are like wildly close. Honestly, saying the Orphic hymn every time is probably not necessary because there's just such a connection at this point um, because of our relationship. But for me, what's so important about saying the Orphic hymn every time is that I'm reminding myself what I'm doing. 
right? That like, I'm sitting, I'm here, I'm like sitting with the divine and that like means something and what does it, and it means something for me. Um, and so like, like, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a moment to take time. And I've memorized Venus's uh, Orphicum by this point, of course, it's very long, but it's uh, like, I, I, it, like it reminds me, I'm like, oh, right. This is what this is about. This is what, like, this is who she is. There's like a centering act of doing that, like that, that prayer or that hymn for me. And so I think, Yes. Well, there are rules that make sense. There are things that need to happen. There are things that kind of get us into the space of reminding us that like, this is what we're doing um, and giving, you know, offering of time and devotion and all of that. But I think it really is far more simple um, than I think many other, like, excuse me, some other people um, let on. I think it's about like in getting started, it's about just, you know, setting like a space. Um, if it can be permanent and that's wonderful, but if you don't have the space, um, like just setting up a temporary altar for that moment or for that hour, or maybe just for that day, um, where this is going to be the sacred space for Venus. We'll just, we're going to talk about her, I guess, um, Venus. And then, um, you know, um, putting down, uh, a candle, putting down, um, an offering. It could just be a glass of water. It doesn't have to be wine. It doesn't have to be flowers. It can be the simple, simplest things. And then saying the Orphic hymn and then saying a prayer and then just doing that consistently, whether if you want to do it every day, I think folks should do exactly what feels good in their heart. But I think that the most important thing is to is the consistency for the gods. Like the thing is that if you're doing it consistently and coming to them consistently, they are, um, happy and joyful and they want to engage with you. Um, and so, um, I think that's where you get started is really just by doing it and being consistent. Um, and I don't think it has to be elaborate. I don't think it has to be, um, super, uh, ornate. I think it can simply be you sitting in front of this altar, recognizing the divinity of the moment and of the, of the being you're engaging with, um, and, uh, asking them to show you them, uh, or excuse me, have, asking them to show you the, to show you, yes. Asking you, them to show you them. Oh my goodness. It's a weird sentence. Show themselves. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> show themselves. Thank you. That's the, yes, that's the word I was looking for. Um, and, um, and that, and that, it, it, it you know, I've had, I have a specific reading that like is focused on finding like the right practice for you uh, or practices. And, you know, I've had so many people, um, after like, after our reading and after they've started their practice, like the first day being like, because they, you know, there's just so much buildup. I think when you're like, uh, when you're choosing like, Hey, I want to get this reading with this person who's going to like help me with this practice. And then we're having this discussion throughout the reading, um, that like, you know, leads us to what, what we kind of need in our life right now. And then we're getting to the point where now you're like, okay, I have the tools. I know what I'm going to do. I have, I know the reason why I'm doing it. I think, um, also like, yeah, having a reason for doing the practice, I think is really important, not just kind of going, Oh, this might be cool. Um, I think that like having the, like the consistency is the difficult part. And so if you have a reason for it, that can kind of lead to increased consistency. And then I think, yeah, no, and then I've just noticed that people just like kind of start their practice. And all of a sudden, like, um, I had one client who, um, we recently, um, had a reading and they, um, you know, they, um, 
they started their Venus practice like very just like right away. Um, they like and they just they got like woke up at like the um, morning hour, like the first hour of uh, Venus Day, and just like they never wake up that early. And they just chose to they like they like woke up that day and they're like they felt that it was a sign from Venus that they like they should start it right away. So they like grabbed some things and put them down and said they were for Kim and said their prayer and asked to be um, asked her to show themselves, uh, ask her to show herself to them, and um, and. I remember this person, they, they were going to work and they were locking up their bike. Um, and right uh, in that moment, they turned around and they just bumped into someone, uh, like this woman they described as like absolutely gorgeous, long flowing hair. And she was pregnant and she had this like beautiful flowing green dress. And like, she they said hi and they talked for a little bit and then she walked away and she was, and then she, uh, they, they said that, um, they said, yeah, they, they wrote me and they said, you know, it was a moment where I said, oh my goodness, hi Venus. Um, and it's just, it doesn't have to be these like wild, like burning bush moments, right? It can, uh, it can be instead these moments where you just see Venus, a representation of Venus right in front of you. And that's something that's so beautiful and wonderful. And so I think, and that can be right away, right? Or that can be right away, or it can just be a feeling or it can be um, so many different things, the way kind of like we open up to right. it, like what we get out of it. But yeah. It sounds like a skill of recognizing how our yes. prayers or our devotional practice is being responded to. Yeah. And yes. yeah, having that that awareness of those signals um, and trusting them too. Cause I find that they get, you know, sometimes they're so obvious you're just, you know, hit with them in some sense, but Mm -hmm. um, I do think they get louder uh, or more frequent, the more that we notice them. Right. And the more that we like give them credence, right? Like the more we, yeah, like absolutely the most more we pay attention, the more we notice them. And also the more that we like allow them in, right? Like, Oh, that was being like, not like, not, constantly questioning or wondering, or if I get, you know, like my interpreting it that way, or is that what it, and just like allowing it to be the, yeah, the God said to be like, Oh, that, that worked. So let me like continue to show you more. Yeah. Yeah. This reminds me, um, of something that Rick Tarnas has developed around these different stages of humanity. And like, Mm -hmm. he breaks it down into three phases where there's the primal human, the, um, modern, human and the postmodern and in the primal like human history everything was an omen everything had meaning nature was ensouled mm-hmm. um, and he describes it as there not being that thick of a buffer between person and the world person and environment so magic was the reality and there was also maybe a, a vulnerability there in some sense and then the modern human is like the age of reason and ration yeah. and like the solar consciousness where everything we see externally is a interpretation it's a projection of our own luminous inner consciousness we are the god in that situation mm-hmm. and then postmodern is this kind of integration somehow of those and i think that um when we're getting into trusting omens or trusting signals that deities are talking to us or seeing the planets in conversation with us, that it kind of touches back into that internal history of being closer to nature and that that's still accessible. And it's just thinning some of the layers of 
distrust or whatever kind of social conditioning we've picked up around scientific materialism and whatever worldviews that, you know, are implied in our culture that aren't even necessarily taught as, oh, this is a belief. It's just, oh, this is a fact. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, I mean, my goodness. Yeah. I, I think it, there's an, uh, <laughs> I'm, um, Gemini rising Mercury rule, uh, yeah. Mercury ruled, uh, ascendant, um, with Mercury on the midheaven ruled by in Aquarius and traditionally ruled by probably by Saturn and exactly square Pluto too. And so there's, there's an intensity of my mind that like requires kind of a concreteness and an understanding that I have, uh, very much, worked to cultivate. And then also in this moment, uh, of my time, like, you know, since engaging with astrology and especially planetary magic and devotional work, um, has been kind of the unlearning of the need to prove the constant need to prove things. And that if it's not provable, what does that mean? Um, is it, you know, is it real? Is it not? And, um, it's just, <sighs> I think engaging with, uh, I guess engaging with the unseen world around us um, requires a certain level of, of release and a lack of control. Um, you can't see it necessarily. So uh, of course it, it, it feels uncomfortable to not be able to prove it, to say, oh, I've seen it and therefore it is. Um, but, uh, you know, um, hmm. Sorry. I'm thinking, I'm just thinking like it is, it's, it, I mean, yes, I think it's a return exactly as you're saying, I think it's a return to the, the former ways of not needing to prove everything for things to just allow themselves to be and to exist and to be real simply because they are, um, simply because like we don't have to act like, I mean, I think that the gods, um, and, and the planets and, and, you know, like even like land spirits and like the way we engage with the land and, and, and with the environment around us, I think they do give us signals and like, like of, of their, of their reality. I don't think it's like a, like, I don't think it's a complete understanding of faith without any other knowing. I think there is, I just think that we don't tend to pay attention. I think that we tend to look for specific things that, prove their existence. But I think that they, I think once we like, like suspend that and allow ourselves, um, allow ourselves to not be in control, right. To not have wild control over, over the knowing, um, and how, how we know, um, there is this beautiful experience of being, it being proved, proved to us. Um, I mean, I think that, yeah, like I just, in those moments of, I read Venus rules, um, uh, white roses. And then I like in like on Venus day, like I get this, I get this like, ping, like in my head, you go to the, you know, the flower shop, like, Hey, I didn't have to believe that I should go to that flower shop. Right. But in that moment I did, and I just allowed it to be right. Um, I didn't know if it was true, but I'm just going to allow it to be. And then let's see what happens. And I walk into the store and over and like visually overwhelmed by white flowers with right in the center is white roses. Like they're just, I guess it's like, what more proof do you need? Um, like, yeah, when you allow, I mean, <laughs> like, like if you, when you allow things to just be true without you understanding how or why it's true all the time, um, there's just gorgeous things that can happen in your life. Um, and yeah, that it's, I mean, I think, um, again, it's, 
it's, I think the, the, the enlightenment kind of concept of knowing is so much about like wild control over like the world and over ourselves and over other people. Like control is the key part of that, um, line of thinking, the need to know and to know why. And that is the only way of knowing, um, is, 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 is an attempt to, yeah. Oh, Can this oh, experiment oh. be reproduced? Yes. Like right. it's not just a spontaneous emergent relational thing that happens. Right. And like, yeah, the, oh my gosh, it's such a beautiful way. To, yes. Um, and you know, it's interesting because I think about this a lot where it's like, we talk about, you know, whether it's creating a talisman or just, you know, doing, um, planetary devotion. And I don't know one person like, and who has created a talisman. It's just like a Venus and Taurus talisman. Like, first of all, there's no astrological moment that's going to be exactly the same as that exact moment that you chose to perhaps create a talisman. Right. Um, and then exactly also too, like, the ritual, I don't know one person who's like ritual is exactly the same every time. It just doesn't happen. It can't be like, you know what I mean? Like re, the re, like, uh, that concept of like recreation, um, like recreating that, that, uh, that uh, moment as a way to see if it's real. It's like, but even in our ritual, even in our, like what we, even if we're regu- relev- relatively like consistent, the ritual always shifts. The sh- ritual always changes. There's always something different about what you are giving as an offering or what you're like, how the rhythm of the moment goes. And so, and also obviously the astrology of the moment. And so, you know, I think, I think that's absolutely beautiful. Like it's, it drives point uh, home the point that like the recreation of a moment in order to prove is like kind of, um, I understand the value of science. I understand the value of wanting to do that and wanting to prove things. There's so much value to that, but it, it doesn't always need to be a part of everything that we do. Um, there's equal value to that, that, um, spontaneous moment. Speaking of spontaneous things, I want to share something that occurred. So you created a clubhouse room. It was something Bacchanal titled. Oh, yes. It was a um, Jupiter night Bacchanal. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I joined that and I felt like it was a glowing, magical conversation. I Mm -hmm. decided to have some mead, which is honey wine. People think I'm saying meat when I talk about mead. (laughs) It is honey wine. (laughs) So I had a glass of mead and I was in this conversation and it was just like a really um, special environment. Like it was definitely Mm. like you could tell that it was opened in like a magical kind of space. Um, Mm. It was just like a really sweet conversation. And then later that night, some other mead bottle, like the cork just popped off on its own. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And I felt like it was definitely connected to being in that like Jupiter, you know, Bacchanal space and just this like other wine bottle being like, pour some for Jupiter. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I remember you telling me that. That's so funny. Yes. And you know, it's so interesting. So I did, I remember that room. Um, I did actually elect for that room. Like I chose like a moment and then as well for me, um, at that time specifically, uh, so, um, I, I prayed to Bacchus or Dionysus, the God of wine, um, as like, a, as a, a primary Jupiter figure. Um, I've also introduced, uh, again, Jove into my practice, but, um, for a very long, for a while, I was just exclusively praying and like devoting, um, my Jupiter practice to Bacchus. And so, um, I had just before that room, obviously I elected, as I said, I elected it, but I also like lit my Jupiter candle and like prayed, said the Orphic came to Bacchus and asked for it to just be a lovely time. And specifically what's wild about this is that mead is also like, you know, one key thing 
about Bacchus is that, you know, like obviously God of wine, but also like fermentation and like of like fermentation of like honey and like, it's just, it's such a spot on Bacchus drink too, um, that I just felt like, uh, it's just wild. Yeah. Like that, that, that cork pops off and it's like, let's go um, pour some out for Bacchus or pour some out for Jupiter. It's just, um, that's such a like lovely experience. Yeah. I mean, I specifically prayed to Bacchus on that night. So that's, that's really, really spot on. Wow. 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 So cool. Um, you also have some discoveries around praying to, or like working with the planets through a variety of deities. Mm -hmm. So as you were mentioning, there's like Bacchus, there's Jove. Can you share some of what you've learned around, um, how we can contact the planets through a variety of deities? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I was, uh, there was a moment in my practice where I was just, um, kind of questioning, uh, I, oh, it was specifically around the moon. I was, um, you know, traditionally or many times people, uh, folks pray to, um, Selene, which is, or, or Selene, people say it two different ways, um, um, to pray, pray to her, uh, and for, uh, for the moon. And I, um, you know, I'm a person who can connect really quickly and I just, there wasn't there with the moon, I, there was just not a connection. I was just not with Selene or Celine specifically. I was just not having a connection right away. And, um, I waited a while and I continued to do the practice and there just wasn't, there wasn't, they, there was seemed to be a roadblock. Um, and, um, I think and so what I kind of was like processing this, I was like, what is going on? And I was thinking, well, you know, in my moon is the, or the moon at the moment of my, my birth was, uh, it was ruled by Mars in a day chart and in like Hellenistic or traditional astrology, Mars, um, uh, the concept of sex, like day or night chart, Mars is a more difficult, there's the more dif- difficult malefic in a day chart in this concept. And so I was, you know, the moon, uh, being ruled by the malefic, malefic contrary to sect that can cause difficulty in doing lunar things and in connecting with lunar spaces. And so I kind of just assumed that it was that and kind of tried to continue to press on, but there wasn't a connection. And so I had this experience where I was just kind of contemplating this and, um, I kind of like had a divine inspiration of, of, um, of, like engaging with Artemis. And I was like, and because I had this, I, re- I was reading um, mythology, I was reading like notes on mythology. And um, there was a note about um, the Spartans, like before, in go- like warriors going to, uh, before going into war, they they prayed to Artemis. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, I wonder if you could pray to Artemis as a Mars figure. So I was originally thinking that and I was like, that's so interesting. And then I kept going with my thought. And um and then, yeah, and I think through that process in that, like on the same day, I was just kind of going through a lot of things. And I said, oh, of course, <laughs> like Artemis is a lunar goddess. Like I just, it like went out of my brain in that moment. I was just kind of like focusing on Artemis and just a kind of understanding. And, um, and so I was like, oh my goodness, I should totally like read this Orphic Hymn and see if like, if, if I engage, if I, if I enjoyed it or if I engage with it or how I engage with it. And there was just kind of, I remember doing like my first ritual with, Artemis and there was an immediate connection, just an immediate understanding. And, um, and it was just so beautiful. And I think that experience really taught me that there's, um, there are more, there's more, there are more, there's more than one way to approach the gods and to approach the planets. And I think, um, and so that was like a real door opener. Um, also too, you know, um, my, uh, my classes with, um, Austin Kopic have been really, really helpful. He, um, talks a little bit about and suggests, um, uh, he had suggested, oh, Adonis for Venus, uh, with, uh, with Venus and as well, Hephaestus for Mars, um, as opposed to just Aries. Um, 
um, and kind of uh, talks about that a little bit. Um, and so that kind of gave me the original, like the initial idea of like, oh, right, yes, we should probably like that, like explore exploration of, of approaching another, another deity. And, um, and so, yeah, that lunar practice shifting, right. So, you know, Selene is, is more of like a, like a very, very lunar, very, like, full moon goddess. And, um, I have like a, a, a waxing like crescent moon and it's ruled by Mars. And so connecting with, um, the new moon goddess, right. Artemis and, um, and her also being, you know, the key part for me, for being, being an Aries, for me having an Aries moon is that there's kind of been this, uh, feeling of the need to find desi- desiring in, in being able to be vulnerable and to be, being able to feel, um, capable of engaging in lunar practices, um, requires safety, um, requires feeling safe and not having to fight my own self and not having to be the warrior. And the Orphic hymn to Artemis is so beautiful. And they like, they call her the dread guardian goddess. And that, you know, the word dread obviously has a certain connotation of like certain, perhaps negative connotation. But for me, it was like, I felt safe after reading that word, dread guardian goddess, that she is dreadful to those foes and to those folks who would seek to harm me. And so I felt safe with her, um, to be able to be lunar. Um, and that's when like that, like that, uh, practice opened up. And so, yes, I've definitely engaged with, um, other gods, uh, for, um, for different planets. Um, I've engaged with Adonis. Adonis is very kind. It's and funny lovely. you say this because during the solstice, I had this ping that I needed to connect with Adonis and then I looked it up Ooh. and Adonis is connected to the solstice somehow. So I was oh, getting really? that. Yeah. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Um, I need to write that down. Um, yeah, Adonis is lovely. You know, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Um, so Adonis is very hot. Um, they, I like, they are like a gender queer, like, like Vembo basically. Um, like, and it's just, there's the, that's the vibe that I've, that I got from them. Um, just like very hot in this kind of like, the hottest person in the room, but like really relaxed about it and just really casual. And there's also this lovely, um, and like, yeah, like Bambo vibes. There's also this vibe of like, um, um, excuse me, of, of them being like, uh, really comfortable with their body, really, really comfortable. Like there's a sense when you're with them that like, you're hot because you exist and you have sexuality, right? Like they're like, you know, it's just like, you are it, you are a being and you should love your body and desire. If you so desire, you, you should be able to pleasure it and find pleasure in yourself. Um, and in others, like it, there was just kind of this relaxed flow. Adonis is like very, very lovely though. I, the reason I giggled before was because I tried to engage with Adonis kind of separate from Venus and like immediately Venus popped in and was like, what do you think you're doing? Um, she like is Venus does not like to be second fiddle or even like, like is she always needs to be involved. So I would recommend if you wanted to engage with Adonis. That's what I actually found in my research. Cause I was looking up like how to connect with Adonis and they were like, always pair Adonis with Venus. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I would love, I would love to hear this or see this research. Please send it to me. I want to see it. Um, but yeah, no, that's exactly how it feels. Like it's just Adon- like Venus is like, do not, do not. No, 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 no. <laughs> Um, me first, and then he can come in if you, if you so desire, but I'm, I'm the main one. Thank you very much. Um, there's like kind of no separating them. Absolutely. I completely have experienced that. Um, so it's, I love to hear that it's like at like backed up also by the research that you found as well. Um, 
And then, yeah, Hephaestus uh, is another um, uh, martial god. Um, and Hephaestus is the um, god of like blacksmithing and like, uh, and, and is like, and of weaponry. Like he created um, uh, like the, the, the armor and the, and the, excuse me, the armor and the weapons for the gods before they went into war. Um, and uh, yeah, his vibe is very, very, he's so sweet, which is just like not how one typically is thinking of Mars. And I think it's because we're, you know, typically engaging with Aries, right? Aries is a wildly different energy um, and is really chaotic and really aggressive and like is, is loud and, you know, just yeah i mean there's so there's so much about aries that is just like very aggressive and i think that's why we continuously think of it like think of it in the way but that way but i think what has kind of like allowed me uh, engaging with different gods to understand the same planet has allowed me to expand and not um caricaturize the planets and their and their um archetypes is what i mean to say um it's allowed the the like allowed yeah, the planet to really have com- like more complexities than we even typically give them. Um, and yeah, I mean, Hephaestus is just this wildly kind, really like loyal, like dedicated. Um, this is one, there's one deck that I think I shared this with you, but um, this one deck that I use that is the, I think Usi deck, I think that's how you pronounce it, U-U-S-I, um, uh, is the brand and they, uh, it's a Materia Prima deck. And um, they use like the elements uh, from the periodic table um, as descriptors for um, for the, for the deck, uh, for, excuse me, for the, for each card. And so, um, the card that I kind of pulled for Hephaestus, um, that like he gave to me was titanium. And in this deck, it's this like loyal warrior that like, no, that doesn't have like, um, a, like inflated ego, but desires to like be of use and wants to help. Um, and you know, um, kind of like the difference that I've noticed in my practice with both Hephaestus and Aries is that Aries is really the fire like the flame, this like powerful energy that's like driving forward. And Hephaestus tends to be the wielder of that flame. Um, and when we kind of go to the flame and say, Hey, can you calm down? Like, unless we like know the flame real well, that's like a weird ask, right? Like it just, I mean, like, it's like, that's a, that's a harder thing for the flame to calm down when they're like, when it's there and it exists and like its power is like its point. Um, asking the flame to be calmed is like a weird flex, but asking the wielder of the, I wouldn't say like, obviously I'm not saying like Hephaestus is like wielding Aries. I would say more just, it's like the visual, I guess I'm going for, um, that him in him being the wielder of the flame, there's like, you can go to Hephaestus certainly to channel where like that energy into something perhaps more productive or something that is, um, creative you know he is he was cr- constantly create with fire creating beautiful things right and so i def i really really see hephaestus as a mars in an earth sign uh very like practical and down to earth and um and desiring to be useful and and to create and to manifest things physically um and so um yeah i like I, that is really all of these kind of iterations of this of the same planet kind of have always uh have excuse me have have expanded my knowledge and expanded my understanding of what how these planets interact with us their different faces there their different desires um and how we can you know and sometimes you're not going to I guess, uh, connect with, with one or the, like with one or the other. And I think that's where, when there isn't a, when there's a lack of a connection, does that mean you can't engage with Jupiter? That's where, for me, that's where it came from. It was like, if I'm not connected, connecting to the moon, like, what does that mean? Like that feels uncomfortable. And I think 
the malefics is where you probably like not connecting with them. is like an okay thing. Like you can just kind of like let that go, but especially, especially like the luminaries and the benefics um, and mercury too. Like there's just kind of, there, you know, like desiring to engage is, um, is understandable and makes sense. And there kind of are, uh, fewer repercussions and then going to perhaps like a malefic that doesn't really want, like, doesn't really like you, or you don't really know, um, like, you know, whether that's going to be a safe experience. And so, um, I think, yeah, I like wanting to still engage and wanting to still understand and wanting to still learn from them. Um, that's where it came from. Uh, and for me, I think that really is an exploration of, 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 of how it can expand. Um, and I'll just say this one last thing, but I think this also goes outside of, the realm of Greco-Roman gods. I think one could um, absolutely, um, if they have another set of deities or another iteration of um, of spirits or divinity, they 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 that there are associations with for their religion or for their practice, um, they should absolutely go to them to engage with the planets too, because I think that's absolutely equally as effective. Um, it's just that there's a lot of um, of uh, public information uh, regarding the Orphic hymns and regarding like planetary magic and using those Orphic hymns and other prayers, and so that's where I've started. But I've really found through these like practice of going to different gods than are traditionally gone to um, that you can really find a beautiful and fulfilling practice through kind of any form of divinity um, that kind of relates to them. Hmm. Thank you so much for this wealth of knowledge. Hmm. I, um, I was getting some images and thoughts coming through about contacting the malefics. Hmm. Um, Cause we talked a little bit about this yeah. before and it's having me think about contacting like people and that when we engage with people, um, we understand that we're going to have an experience and there may be, um, a feeling state that comes up or a sequence of events that comes up from relating to people. And then the gods, it's like, that is a huge conversation to open. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just thinking about, there's almost like this sacred kind of caution or respect. And so it's like, we're not just contacting the gods randomly and like, Yes. fucking around like you come in mm-hmm. with a reason um yeah. and i was just then getting this image too of even people you know to echo back to what we were talking about before around belief i think even people that don't believe in magic or don't participate with it would tread lightly about contacting a god like some part of them would mm, know yeah. like that they don't you know and um So when it comes to the malefics, I thought you had some interesting ideas on that when we spoke. Um, Mm. I engaged Mars and Saturn for years without knowing them through the context of them being malefics, uh, because that wasn't part of evolutionary astrology. Yes, of course, of course. Yes. And um, I had some... I had some experiences of getting to know them in really magical ways. And then also when rough things would happen during their transits, I'd be like, why, why have you forsaken me? I thought we were friends. Yeah. (laughs) And so I, um, you know, and then to like, say, if I have students that are wanting to engage particular planets for like, we're doing projects in my like meteorite Mm -hmm. program. And, um, we were talking about like, who do you want to be in conversation with for like six months Mm -hmm. straight? Like, do you want to talk to Chiron for six months or do you want to talk to Venus for six months? Like if you want to talk to Chiron for six months, that's fine, but just have know why you're doing that because you're going to be in conversation with that being. And that really does mean something. Um, so I'm just curious, uh, to hear, um, 
thoughts on like what it means to engage the malefics and how that varies for people, depending on say the like strength and traditional astrology terms of those planets in their chart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm, it's complicated. You know, I think it's, I think dead, what you said was like dead on. I think, um, you know, you have to be, yes, there's a reverence that has to be there that you are engaging, that you're engaging with divinity and, um, and you, that you have a reason for, I mean, you should have a reason for all of them. Uh, certainly. Um, but you know, when it's a difficult, like, I mean, I think we kind of, perhaps there's a tiny bit of arrogance for us when we kind of, when we approach divinity that is of the nature of Mars and, and Saturn that like, Oh, I'll be fine. Like I, I won't be hurt by something. And it's just, you know, how do I want to say this? Basically it's, 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 you have to really, really, it is, it is imperative to have a reason because of the fact that it is not easy to engage Mars and Saturn. They, they don't rule things that are enjoyable. They don't rule things that are, they rule things like survival. They rule things like death and they rule things like depression. They rule things like, um, like those difficult emotions that we have, that we have to work through. They work, they, they, uh, rule things like long-term planning. They rule things like, um, like exertion to the point of exhaustion. They, you know, like they they rule things like war. They, it's just, we have to have a recognition, as you said, of what, of who we're approaching. Um, and if we just think that we are going to have this fabulous time and like this planet is going to love us. It's just, um, it makes me think of the scene from the Grinch or something. I ended up watching this recently Mm -hmm. (laughs) around like Christmas, but just like the Grinch living in that, like, isolated place in the mountain and like someone just like knocking on the door and it's like not a good experience. (laughs) Yeah. So that's so true. And it's, I think, some things can, I think some things can provide like, you know, your chart, like one's chart can certainly provide more visibility into perhaps how that experience will go. And I've like kind of been searching through this and trying to figure out what the exact balance is. Um, I think, and I, and I've not come to like very hard and fast rules about this, but I think, um, you know, there, I, one thing I have noticed, so I have a very dignified Saturn, um, and I haven't had like lovely experiences with Saturn prior. And I think that's the key part. How have your Saturn or Mars transits gone? Have they been like kind of neutral? Have they been, Oh, this is like a helpful period or have they been really destructive? Um, kind of like really having an understanding and like a clarity around what previous experiences you've had with those planets and with that energy, um, can really illuminate what happens when you engage with them in a relationship, uh, situation, like a devote planetary devotional situation, um, largely because they get louder. Um, they get, they become more present in your life when you engage with them in a relationship. And so, um, you know, I mean, I will say that, um, so for me, yeah, I have this like highly dignified Saturn, um, uh, in traditional, uh, traditional astrology, um, Saturn has, is, a, 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 traditionally rules Aquarius, um, I have Saturn in Aquarius and also, um, Saturn's per what's seen as Saturn's preferred sign. Um, and Saturn kind of like is the, um, I forgot the traditional term, but, um, it's like the oh, final dispositor, um, is like, you know, the kind of after you, once you go through the rulership schema of all the planets in my chart, it goes back to Saturn. So Saturn is a really powerful entity in my chart. Um, 
And I, uh, I recently, so I've like, I've kind of held off from a Saturn practice for a while. I've tested it out and it was like, that wasn't helpful. Um, and I tried to test it out again, um, using materia and, um, I, for a month and I tried it out for a month and it was, um, an experience. I learned a lot, but it was, it absolutely needed to end when it ended, um, for me. Um, and that was because I was getting to a point where I was, and this is what you have to really, you have to pay. This is why I don't recommend starting with malefics because you won't always recognize that this is a reflection of them. You think it's just happening um, or you just don't really, re- yeah, you don't like, you don't register. And even for me, like I was doing it for a month and I didn't realize until the end of the month that that was Saturn, right? So these th- things that started to happen were um, like the idea of needing to earn everything was like what permeated the entire month. If it wasn't earned, it was stripped away. If it wasn't earned, like, so there were times, there were moments, um, like, you know, like I'm very Venusian, uh, and have a really strong relationship with her. So she tends to be really powerful in my life. And, um, and there were moments where I had these experiences where people, um, had, like had very Venusian moments where people would buy me a bunch of drinks or like, you know, like when I would go out, like they would buy me drinks, not a bunch of drinks, but whatever they would buy me drinks. And then there was this weird experience where like, three days later, the bartender that was absolutely a friend, a prior, um, had this like weird reaction to someone buying me drink, buying me a drink. And they like made me feel like shame around, like they tried to make me feel shame around being something being purchased for me that like, what, like I should be like earning it or I should be paying the, like paying her for that, for that drink. And like that I should have like that, even though they were getting the money for it, it was like this really wild experience of being like, you have to have earned this. You didn't earn this. Someone gave it to you as a gift. Like, and that's like, if it, if it extends too many, if it happens too many times, it is a problem. Right. Like, and I was just like, so caught off guard because it didn't make sense. Like it was just kind of a weird reaction to have, but it was, you know, upon reflection and upon like all these things, it's like, it was so clearly Saturn, right? It was so clearly an expression of like a a very powerful Saturn being amplified by my practice with them, where it was just everything needed to be earned and nothing could be given, um, without, without work and without, um, some kind of yeah, some kind of, yeah, some, some kind of labor. Um, and then there was just, you know, the seriousness that I, I constantly, there was a more isolation. There was just, um, all of that. And so I think you have to be prepared for that and you have to have a reason to want that. I mean, for me, I didn't want that at all. Like it was, it really made me very like, I mean, it wasn't just the buying the drinks, like that doesn't really matter, but it was a very shame. Like I felt shame in that moment. And that was like really uncomfortable for me. Um, because it didn't, it wasn't, I didn't find it to be viable or truthful or like, like, I don't even know what that means. Right. Like it's, it was just such a, like a negative experience for me. And there were just an other negative experiences that I had with Saturn. And I was, and I kind of came to the conclusion with, you know, ending the practice after ending the practice and kind of like storing the stuff that I had away and, um, like kind of concluding that and telling Saturn, I like, this is not actually going to work. Um, that, um, Saturn is already so powerful. And there's this, this idea that Austin Kopic absolutely talks about that like planets that are in domicile, which in traditionally Saturn in Aquarius is, um, they tend to be prone to excess. And so when you have a planet, perhaps, and this is something that I'm newly thinking through, like perhaps going like approaching a malefic planet, Mars or Saturn, that is in domicile is probably perhaps is, is if you've already had negative experiences with them, um, they might, it might be, it might like it, it will only amplify 
the experience, like that experience. And I didn't need, and I like in my conversations post with, you know, Bacchus and Venus um, and the sun too, um, and, and Artemis as well, the moon. Um, but in those conversations, and also even with my, uh, my ancestors, there's just been this kind of set conversation of you don't need any more Saturn. Saturn is always already like wildly present in your life. And you already kind of like engage in like, a thought process that is Saturnian and like you work for the things that you are like you do whatever. Um, there is already that like amplifying that and like having even higher requirements of what it means to achieve. It was just like, that wasn't what I was searching for. I don't right. need to achieve anymore. I want to be able to enjoy. That's like, that is my, my space. I'm in, I'm in the unlearning of constant needing to earn my worth. And, and Venus has really taught me to say, you have worth regardless. You don't deserve things. You just, you desire them and you should have them if you desire them. Like, right. Like a letting go of this needing need to earn, um, as a way to receive, um, and so that's, for me, that journey was not what I needed to continue mm. it. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I, I don't think I've done magic particularly or like ceremony with Saturn, but I feel like I've engaged Saturn a lot through deeds. Like when it mm. comes to like, even, um, when I was building my website from the beginning, you know, I was very conscious because I was into astrology and building my astrology website. And I was like, this is a Saturn and Aquarius venture that I'm going to mm. build a internet architecture, internet infrastructure. It was like my big Saturn and Aquarius meditation for some years even. Um, and it's still, you know, it's still there, but now the infrastructure is kind of working, working on its own kind of thing. Like I still attend to it, but I think that, um, yeah, I don't know what would happen or like, I haven't seen the need to go to Saturn in that particular way, but it's been very pragmatic on the ground. Like I have these dreams or these visions or these ideas, Aquarius, and I want to anchor them through time and space with things that I'm actually doing. And like Mars could even be like, well, I'm going to work out. <laughs> I'm gonna sweat. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, um, yeah. So, and just then when it comes to engaging with planets, um, even for teaching, they'll come through and they'll talk to me too, and they'll mm -hmm. become part of my field. And so I've had to, it's honestly like being on psychedelics, but you didn't take anything because my experience warps, my experience changes. And I have to kind of remember and be lucid. Usually it's easy, but it recently happened with Neptune where it took me the end of the week to be like, Oh, that was like Neptune. Cause I got caught in this tidal wave, you know, and yeah. was preparing for Neptune. I was like trying to write these Neptune notes and I was like, so emotional. I couldn't even do it. <laughs> and like, yeah. so the planets will come through and we're talking to them. And I think it's, um, it really is quite an adventurous thing to engage with like deities and planets in that way. Um, and then bringing in that, the humility and the reverence and the real like relationship not taking it overly lightly, you know, so that when we're building these relationships, it's for a reason. I really sense that from what you're sharing. Definitely. And I think, yeah, again, it's, it's it, it, the greatest way to take it seriously is to be consistent. If you're going to do it, like don't commit it daily if you can't do it daily. Also, I wouldn't recommend starting a practice where it has to be daily. If it's really not a part of your life already, if you're not, if you're not, uh, if you don't typically do 
like a daily ritual in the morning, you know, not like, you know, magical or whatever, just like a daily or some sort of daily ritual, um, in the morning. And you can't like, if it's not easy to integrate, um, a planetary practice into that, I really wouldn't recommend it. Cause it's just, it's going to be hard to keep up. Like it's like a lot to, it's a lot to give right away without knowing what the outcome is or without, and that's the biggest thing too. It's like, sometimes, you know, I, I think other than engaging with the malefics, I think it, most of the time you're going to have an experience that is not, um, it's not like difficult or like, you know, uncomfortable or all of that. But I think, um, you know, engaging daily is a real commitment. And again, the, the gods want, that's what they, they desire. Like at the end of the day, it's not about these ornate offerings. It's about the consistency of relationship. And so, yeah, absolutely. I think if you, uh, like taking that seriously by going to them, the commit, like making a commitment that is doable and doing, and absolutely doing it, um, is, is the easiest and best way to, um, to, yeah, to receive that like favor and to, um, and to, uh, make that commitment and, oh, sorry, I'm looking for the word, um, to, um, yeah, like to take seriously the, and like then revere that moment in that space in that relationship. Can you tell us about your reading offerings and how you help people connect with the planets? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I certainly do natal and, uh, year ahead, uh, transit readings. Um, which are beautiful and wonderful. And I absolutely like talk about the planets in the, in a way that is relational. And, you know, um, through my experiences with them, they're like, you know, the planets, as, as you even said, like they teach us so much about themselves. Um, and so I definitely talk, um, very personally about the planets, even in those like natal chart readings and in, uh, and in those year ahead readings, talking about those transits, uh, and the progressions and, um, yeah, I look at, sorry, for timing techniques, I really look at, um, progressions. I look at solar return charts. I look at perfect, like perfect annual perfections, um, to see like which planets are really activated at the moment, which, um, cycles we're kind of in, are we in a cycle of, of, um, wrapping up or are we in cycle of, of, of ramping up? Um, that's kind of something I really look at, especially with the like progressed, um, progressed moon. Like where are we, where are we in that cycle? Are we ending things or are we beginning them or are we at the peak, right? What, where in that cycle are we? that's a big part of understanding how, how the person is feeling in this moment and like, and, and to reassure uh, them about the decisions that they're making and how they can continue to move forward. And so that's kind of like the initial um, set of like readings that I do. Um, and then the other is, yes, um, it's called Serve for the Stars. It's a reference to a Lady Gaga song, um, which the Lady Gaga song is called aptly Venus. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a huge Lady Gaga fan. I did not know that, but I... She's uh, inspired me about um, just like how she knew she wanted to be famous and went for it. Like mm. she had the vision and manifested it. She's such a like Aries idol. Yes. Oh my gosh. She's powerful Aries energy. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, no, I'm obsessed with her. And I honestly, Art Pop, the album, Art Pop, I think is, is far more far better than I think anyone has given it that given a very underestimated album, um, which is not a new opinion. I'm just sharing it. Um, but yes. So like in the song Venus, uh, she's, uh, she said now serve for the star, now serve for the gods, serve for the stars. And so I was like, Oh, serve for the stars. Absolutely need to call um, my reading this and, uh, the reading that I, that I do. And so in that reading, I, um, kind of, we talk about what one is going through, um, and how they're like, what their goals are for this next, like this next chapter in their, or this chapter of their life. And, or perhaps if they're trying to move forward, the next chapter of their life, um, what they're kind of wrestling with and what the, where, where they're trying to head, like what they're trying to, what area of life, perhaps, you know, they're trying to boost or, um, 
make better? Like what are their experiences and how can we either ease that transition or help them be inspired by plant, a certain planet or planets, plural, um, to, to, to find where they need to kind of go. Of course, in the chart, they, there's a lot of expression of um, what we can do and what we desire to do and what can be fulfilling for us. But I think what's such a, I, I am not, uh, so vain that I feel that I can give you one every answer of how they're meant to move forward. I think I really respect the planetary relational process. Uh, um, uh, yes, process and uh, and I think for me, engaging. You know, we can find the planets that really. Um, they're really like, yeah, identify the planets that really, um, seem to be showing us where we'll feel, feel fulfilled. And, um, obviously I give ideas that can mean, but allowing, but it's really for me about allowing for the planet to come in and inspire you. Um, and so, yeah, in that reading, we come up with like a kind of like a game plan of like, what is first, which planets would be helpful for you to engage with. And I don't usually recommend any more than two when one's starting out. Um, I think that like one can, uh, one can very much like commit to two um, rituals a week or like, you know, two planets uh, uh, in their practice. And we talk about um, how these planets can help you and how I've experienced them and how like I've experienced those practices. Um, And then uh, we kind of delve into the logistics of the ritual and kind of coming up with a game plan that my, my really, what's important to me again is demystifying ritual and demystifying this practice and allowing people the space to, um, not feel nervous that they have to do all of these ornate things, um, really bringing it back down to earth and like allowing it to be about your relation, what you're able to commit to and your relationship with that planet. Right. So if you're not someone who is super astrological, like, um, like us, you know, approaching a God perhaps on the planetary day, but not on the planetary hour because it doesn't fit into like, it's just so it's too complex, right? That's okay. Like, right. Like let's come up with something, a way that is useful for you in your life. I think that's like a key part for me is helping people realize that like, there are many ways to do ritual and to do, do this practice. Many people have limited it in a lot of different ways, but I think there are just so many other ways that we can do it. And so, yes, I provide like different deities that they could approach that might be more helpful to their goals. Um, there we uh, like look at, yes, the logistics of when to do it and how to do it. Um, whether it's, you know, engaging with planetary nights or planetary days based on their schedule, um, whether it's daily, there have been um, a number of people that wanted to do daily solar practices. And that was just like during, honestly, the sun, while the sun was in Aries, that was like, nonstop everyone needed like an apollo practice every like they wanted to wake up with the sun and wake up with apollo every day it was like three people in a row that it was just like so glaringly obvious that apollo like need like wanted to be a part of their life and they wanted apollo to be there um and so we come up with what works for you and what is needed um for you um and like delving into that. So yeah, those are the two, those are like the kind of two spheres I engage in is um, helping people develop their planetary practice as well as um, like natal and uh, year ahead readings. That sounds brilliant. You're a day chart, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love, I can feel that like (laughs) day consciousness plus magic, like in Mm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, the part that I'm getting the day from is like the, all of that sharp, like clear, distinct awareness of cycles. And are you beginning? Or are you ending like that, like light, you know? And then I kind of, what do you think about it? But I associate the, um, having like a devotional practice or like being in relationship with deities is kind of like a nighttime imaginative thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah. but you're doing it through this day lens. So 
Well, no, I mean, that's such a, no, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, if we, if we're looking to, um, traditional texts, I mean, they talk about the, the, the moon has their joy in the third house, right. Of like, that's of the ritual of the practice of the, like, you know, it's, it's the, it's a house that is below the horizon. Right. Um, and it's, is subterranean is in the earth. Um, and so, and like, yeah, the moon with its kind of, with its, um, rapid, yeah, the moon's rapid movement, the moon's kind of, um, uh, like the, representing the embod- like our embodiment. Um, certainly, uh, the third house is very, very about the like physical ritual. Um, I think the intuitive parts. I think you know, honest. There, there's kind of like two. I think it's yes, it's absolutely third house kind of uh, lunar nighttime engagement. And I think that perhaps is what I am constantly trying trying to let. I'm trying probably trying. You're, you're I'm like processing while speaking, but it's like you're you're probably hitting nail on the head right there. Where it's like I am, yeah, this diurnal person with so, like a stellium in the ninth ruled by Saturn. There's this kind of like, um, there is, um, this constant striving for like, there's reaching the divine and then making it manifest in the world, right? Like there's mm-hmm. con- constantly like intellectualizing and what I'm trying to, I'm consistently, especially right now trying to get back to is getting back to the earth and getting back into my body and allowing space for the experience rather than the knowing. Um, as a way to allow, like, you know, just not having to always question, not always having to, you know, ask, ask why, but instead just experience the planets and the gods, like, of like, while they're, while we're engaging, right. Just experiencing them and not having to question that experience. I've, I've been really trying to like, in, uh, cr- like engage in my t- intuition and just allow it to be rather than to constant question, which is absolutely, um, diurnal, I believe as well. Um, so yeah, I think you're absolutely, absolutely correct that I'm constantly trying to come back down to the earth, um, and, uh, and, and do the lunar like nighttime, uh, practice. It's, of just- it's coming through your transmissions. Cause I just, you know, um, when we spoke before you talked about Hephaestus and, um, opened my eyes to certain aspects of Hephaestus that I didn't know about and they came through my day, you know, like there was just this. Yeah. So I feel that, um, what you're pointing to, what you're illuminating is taking on this magical experience. So I just feel, um, I feel excited to get a reading from you some point soon. And I feel very inspired from talking to you about just like expanding my magical practice, expanding my Mm -hmm. devotional practices. Um, and I just feel like this is really, a gift and a boon to people that, um, are working with you to have, um, this incredible insight into how to connect with the cosmos in this way. So thank you for all the love that you're bringing into the astrology community, um, and all the wisdom that you shared with us here today. Thank you. That's so kind of you. Thank you so much. No, I mean, I, I really am so honored to, um, to be a part of this community, to be, um, to be doing this work, you know, um, I'm very much not, I don't have an ego about it. It really, for me is, you know, um, I'm so like, I feel so, um, honored to be like a conduit for other people's relationships that they're building with the gods. Right. Um, I, I feel that they are doing like the gods are doing the work and that I'm just, I'm like, I'm able to be, I'm so glad that I am honored to be able to be, um, one of the folks who are engaging in, um, helping folks like kind of reach that, that those relationships and expand their knowledge and understanding of themselves and of the, of the world. So I really appreciate that. And Oh my goodness. I like, I'm so excited to get a reading with you. Um, yeah, because I, I love all of the, the work that you do. It's really just so healing and beautiful. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been really fun talking with you. Thank you. It's been so lovely for me as well. Thank you for listening. If you've been enjoying this podcast and you have something to say about it, I would love to read your review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email that screenshot to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality containing several talks including my favorite talk that I've ever given, Play and the Evolution of Alternate Realities, um, several videos about the intersection between astrology and manifestation. Your review of the podcast helps other people find this podcast. It helps spread these ideas and these conversations. So I truly appreciate you reviewing the podcast. Thanks for being here and I hope that you have an enchanted week.